What's up, what's up, hustlers? You know what it is. It's your boy, JT. And I want to tell you guys about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Here's how it works. Unless you record and edit podcast right from your phone. That's literally what I'm doing right now. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms with a single tap. It's also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. That's major. Anchor allows creators to earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's go! Hello and welcome to the Income Autopilot Podcast, the show that teaches you how to stop working for money and allow money to work for you so that way you can live the life that you deserve to live, fulfill your God-given purpose. In today's episode, I want to get into 22 ways you could have made $100,000 in 2022. What I want you guys to do, those of you that are watching this on Instagram, is to come to it and be selfish. I say that all the time. So what I mean by that is ask personalized questions that can give you the most value out of it, right? Those of you that are listening, uh, I want you all to take advantage of the comment section if and when you can and leave your comments there as well. Save this podcast episode. Just waiting for a couple of people to get in here and then I want to get straight into it. So again, we're going to talk about 22 ways that you could have made $100,000 in 2022, all right? First way, we're going to start off with some basic ways, and then we're going to get more advanced as this list progresses. If you guys need further information or details, you guys know, just let me know. We can always do follow-up videos or go deeper in this video. Let's start with real estate. You guys know I'm big on the foundations of wealth, so you can... uh, have invested in real estate. Let's get super specific though. So you could have got into wholesaling or my personal favorite is you could have got into the tax sale investing strategy that I outlined in my book, specifically uh, the one where I break down how you can get paid just for trying. All right. So you could have got into wholesaling where you go and find off-market deals and you put them under contract for price A and then you go sell them for a $5,000 to $10,000 markup, right? And you could have did 10 to 20 deals this year and made $100,000. That's the most common way you hear a lot of people talk about that way. Uh, the way that I prefer, because you guys know I'm a tax sale investor. Uh, I'm also a buy and hold investor as well. I'm actually recording this uh, from my media house. Is You could have went to the tax auction. And you could have had a budget. You guys know that I recommend or the book that I wrote uh, teaches you how to go buy real estate for $1,000 or less without debt, without wholesaling, or get paid just for trying. Well, the get paid for just for trying aspect is that every time that your house goes to auction, or hopefully it never happens to you, but anybody's house goes to auction and people bid more than what the taxes are owed on that property, that creates an overage, and then the original owner is entitled to that overage. Most time, the original owner don't know that. So let's say I don't pay the taxes on my property. Let's say I only owed $7,000 in property taxes. Uh, It goes to auction. Let's say that somebody really wants the property, so let's say that they're willing to spend $20,000 Uh, Because it's such a great deal, they got all of these great ideas they're going to do with the property. Well, the difference between what I owe, the seven, and what somebody was willing to pay for it, the 20, is a $13,000 overage that's now created, and now I'm entitled to the spread, all right? Now, most times the original owner doesn't know that. 
So there is a business that multiple people do, and I feature it on my channel, and we go more in detail in my ebook, as many of you all know that have tapped in and got the ebook. Of course, if you want the ebook, you can go to authorjt.com. That's A-U-T-H-O-R-J-T.com if you want to tap in and do that. But to sum it up in simplicity, since I want to get through all 22 of these in a reasonable amount of time, is that you'll contact the original owner. You'll make them aware that they're entitled to an overage, and then there's two ways to monetize it. You can give them the proper paperwork. They can fill it out themselves. They can collect the money themselves. You charging them for the paperwork, so that way they know what to do and they can do it themselves, right? Um, you can make more money by saying, hey, don't give me any money up front, and let me do this for you. And if I don't get you any money, it didn't cost you anything. If I make you any money, I want X amount of percent. So you can negotiate 25%, 30%, really whatever the other person is willing to get. Because at the end of the day, 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. All right? I appreciate you putting that uh, in the comment section. So I'm going to pin the website for those of you out there that want to go check out the book. Uh, as well. Appreciate that, uh, Real Miss Chris. All right. So real estate. All right. You hear a whole lot of people saying how much money they made in real estate, but I wrote the book. I put out the book. It's helped thousands of people. So you literally have no excuses. So yes, you can go, you can wholesale deals by finding motivated sellers and then finding buyers that want that property and you can make money off the spread. Or if you're somebody who personally says that uh, I don't like talking with a, a lot of different people. I'm worried about the pushback and all of that other stuff that can come with being a wholesaler. You could go to the public auction. You could bid on properties. If you win the bid on the properties, a hey, hooray, you got property. Usually there's a redemption period. If nobody comes and claims it during that redemption period, you uh, you get access to the property via a tax deed. You go to an attorney. They'll quiet the title. They'll run through the process. They'll give you a warranty deed if there's no outstanding liens against it. However, what a lot of people do is they go into it. They bid on property with the expectation of getting it redeemed because you're going to get your money back plus interest, and it's usually more interest than what the bank will pay you, right? That's a slight caveat because usually unless you're spending large sums of money, you're not going to make six figures a year just going to buy property at the estate auction, at the tax sale auction, and then expecting it to get redeemed and getting your money back with interest. A more realistic approach is, like I said, you go through the list and whether you buy the property or not, because you can still do this if you're the person that bought the property and you created the overage, or if somebody you don't even know did it, the original owner is still entitled to it. And uh, the, the biggest pushback of, on this point, and then we'll get into the next point, is that people will say, well, what's going to stop the person from doing it without me? The honest answer is nothing, right? Keep in mind that you don't need everybody to buy something from you in order to be profitable, right? Out of the millions of people that are in the United States, if you can get a thousand of them to buy your product or service consistently, that's a great business. And there's people that make a tremendous amount of money without trying to get hundreds of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, millions of people to buy their product or service, right? And you could do the same as well, all right? The reason why a lot of people let that slow them down is because they suffer from a lack of confidence, so they wanna do everything for cheap. So if you're only trying to turn a dollar profit Per transaction, yes, you need a hundred thousand customers to make a hundred thousand dollars. But if you're doing a thousand dollars profit, and as long as the value that you're creating is in excess of what you're charging, you can do that. I'm not telling you what 
think I'm telling you what I know. So we can talk about real estate all day, but I don't want to stay on any of these points an incredible amount of time. Um, so the next point that I want to touch on is stocks, right? Yes, you could have made $100,000 this year just investing in stocks. Uh, you guys know my brother, Chris Jackson. His handle is at cjack130, at cjack130. Make sure you follow the official page. There's a lot of scam pages on social media, as I'm sure a lot of you all already know. But he trades stock options for a living. He's not the only person. Uh, there's a ton of people on the internet that trade stock options for a living. And he has and will continue to make six figures just off of trading uh, stock options, right? So a lot of people, uh, mostly people that are mis under, uh, miseducated or undereducated will say that trading stock options is uh, something that uh, you can't do consistently, right? So the data will say that you may be wrong more times than you write. So how do people consistently make six figures year after year? Are certain people lucky? Are certain people blessed more than others? No, the, the honest answer is, is that they create systems, right? OCOs, stop losses, whatever kind of fancy terminology you want to use. But basically they create an environment where if I'm right, I can 10x my money. If I'm wrong, I'm only going to lose 5% of my money. So even if I'm wrong, three days in a row and I only lost 5% of my money, I lost 15% of the amount of money that I was trading with. That one time that I'm right, if I 10X my money, right, I made up for those losses and then some. That's why technical analysis is so important. That's why knowing how and when to create your stop losses is important. And that's why I personally don't recommend anybody to start trading stock options without getting the proper training and that's true for everything on this list right uh get the proper training and when i say the proper training get the training from somebody that is actively trading right of course there's a lot of successful entrepreneurs that they used to do this business and now all they do is talk about doing that business and yes they can give you a lot of gain and a lot of people make a lot of money off of the information but i think that personally that because the stock market is so volatile and things are always happening i personally recommend that you learn from a practitioner so when it comes to trading stock options right learn from somebody that's actively doing it start off paper trading that is where you apply the skill set that you learned in the real market with fake money. All right. Depending on what brokerage you use will determine uh, how much fake money they give you. Uh, Chris teaches with Think or Swim. They give you $200,000. Right. Now, the good thing about that is that if you make a mistake and you're wrong and you lose $10,000, it's not 10,000 real dollars. Right. The bad part about that is that you, if you were right and you made $10,000, right, it's not 10,000 real dollars that you could put in your bank account. But this is a great way to practice your craft, get your confidence up, get your reps up, and then go into it with the expectation of, hey, listen, I want small wins, right? Don't go into it saying I'm going to turn $100 into $100,000 day one. Just say I'm going to go into it with this small amount of money, this $1,000. I want to learn how do you trade stock options the right way. I understand that not every trade is going to 20x or 10x my money, but 
when I am wrong, I want to have a small loss. When I am right, I want to have a big right, and it covers all of my losses, right? So there's a lot of different people on the internet. You can subscribe to YouTube University and get more familiar with it, or you can tap in with a practitioner, again, like my brother Chris Jackson at CJack130, and learn from a practitioner. Let's go to the third one, the dumpster rental business, all right? Um, I'm actually going to have a call today with a good friend of mine. He goes by the name of Martin Extraordinaire on all social media. Martin Extraordinaire on all social media. So what Martin does is he owns a dumpster rental business. And I'm telling you, he has, in my opinion, one of the best blueprints on how do you make money renting dumpsters. So this business is as simple as it sounds. Basically, you go, you purchase dumpsters, you do marketing, but the, the dope thing about what Martin does is Martin partners with companies that have a consistent need for dumpsters and companies that also rent dumpsters, but they're really just great at marketing. So they market so well they have more customers than they have dumpsters. So what they will do is they'll partner with you and say, hey, listen, we are great at marketing, but we don't want to buy a thousand dumpsters. So what if we partner with you and we negotiate a way that's mutually beneficial? Our client gets your dumpster, you make money, and you have to do minimal marketing, right? Reason why I say minimal marketing is because, yes, there are businesses out there that you can get clients directly from the government, from other businesses, and et cetera. But as an entrepreneur, one thing that I've learned from firsthand experience is you never want to be beholding to a single supplier of your revenue. So even though a company will partner with you and say, I'll send you as much work as you can handle, I still personally recommend that you build your own brand, your own websites, your own social media, do your own marketing as well, because we all know that we live in an active economy. So businesses get bought and sold, managers change out, relationships change. There's so many variables that are outside of your control if you're solely dependent on a single income stream to drive traffic into your business. So I know I say this and there's going to be people out there that say, hey, listen, I can make six figures just partnering with the waste management company up the street or this company or that company. I'm not going to waste the, the dollars in creating a website and doing marketing and blah, 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 right? But at the end of the day, all I can say is don't say that you weren't warned, right? So Martin Extraordinary is his name. Go watch his YouTube content for free. Um, like I said, I want to touch on 22 ways that you could have made $100,000 in 2022. Um, and to be clear, you could have did any one of these things um, or you could have did a combination of these things. I know not everything is for everybody. All right. Also, if you guys are not subscribed to my podcast, the podcast is called the Income Autopilot Podcast. It's available on all podcasting networks. You can go tap in, subscribe, and listen to all of my episodes. We're currently doing 100 episodes in 100 days, and it's content just like this. So if you enjoy this content, go check it out. Leave a review. That really helps us on the podcasting algorithms a lot, right? Next is the government contracting business. A lot of you all might have seen the videos I did with Casino is the name, Sheena of Sheenapreneur. And basically what a government contracting business is is that the government has all of the money. 
right? And I'm, I'm being specific to the United States. I do know I got some international listeners and some international uh, followers that are watching this on my Instagram as well. But the government has all the money, right? So they make the money. The Fed makes the money, gives it to the government. It makes its way into circulation down to us. So when the government needs things done, they'll make a solicitation, right? There's websites out there like sam.gov, but just like we said in YouTube videos and other uh, venues as well, is that while sam.gov has 70% of all of the government contracts, th there are still other ways that you can get contracts. Networking, 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 right? Networking is a great way to get contracts. You can also register, we talked about being a service, uh, a service disabled veteran, right, or being a minority owned business gets you preferential treatment and that the government will, once you register in their system as a disabled veteran or as a minority owned business, woman owned business, African American, you know, all of that criteria, all right, they will start contacting you saying, hey, we need this done. Can you get it done? And you can get non-compete opportunities, right? Um, I'm going to share this information because he already shared it publicly itself on his own social media. But brother of mine, Casino is the name, was making six figures a year as a federal contractor, right? That's a big fancy job that your mama, grandma, everybody would be proud of you. You say, hey, I'm an accountant. Right. So his nine to five job was he was a federal accountant. Basically, he's the person that looks at what the government does with taxpayers money to make sure that the government is being legit. Right. Just like the IRS will audit people to make sure, hey, are you paying enough taxes? Are you trying to take advantage of this? Are you doing everything by the book? So he was that for the federal government made six figures a year. Right. In government contracting in less than six months. He made more than $100,000 over what his salary was, right? Keep that in mind. He was already making six figures. By getting into government contracting, he made his normal nine-to-five salary plus an extra $100,000 plus, right, all by doing that. He ended up quitting his job, and now he's documenting his journey on social media as well. His name is Casino is the name, right? I'm intentional about dropping these names, not... To, to come off like I'm name dropping and to be arrogant and whatever else some people may do it for. What, what I want you to do is fact check me, right? Because there's a lot of different people on the internet that everybody claims to know that they know how to make money, right? So I'm going to tell you, hey, these are ways you could have made money. And if you don't believe me, let me share this with you, right? So the things that I personally do, of course, you can see it documented on my social media. However, I don't do every business. So those businesses that I don't do, I do want to share, hey, look, this is my friend so-and-so that does it, right? Go watch all of their free content, all right, because never invest in anything you don't understand. Anything that can make you a lot of money can cost you a lot of money. So go invest some time, learn about it before you dump all your money into it, and then if it interests you, decide if you want to invest in that investment, that business, whatever it is, right? So the government contracting business is a viable business as well, right? So, of course, you go to sam.gov. You could put in a bid. You could compete. We got multiple YouTube videos on the channel explaining why the number one reason people don't win bids is because they don't know how to properly put together a bid. They price it wrong, right? They don't network. And, of course, all of that in more detail is found on the JT Automations YouTube channel. Um, writing ebooks, Writing ebooks, right? Let me see if I have uh, a resource here that I could share with those 
that are watching visually. Let me see, let me see, let me see. And I currently don't have it. It's on my laptop, not on my phone. So I'll just express it with you for those of you that are listening and those of you that are watching this on Instagram. So um, in June, I decided to create my own publishing company. So as of this conversation, as of this live stream on Instagram, um, I have 30 books published, right? Um, 29, well, 28, excuse me, 28 of which you can find on Amazon.com. Two of which are exclusively to my publishing company. And as I move forward, I will have a combination of these videos I put on Amazon, these videos I put on my own website. All right. Hey, I want you guys to pay attention. This is a major gem because, again, this is what I'm actively doing. Right. This is not speculative. This is not what somebody told me I could do. Right. This is what I've done in, in 2022. Right. And that's why we're having this conversation. So while Amazon is the big monster. Right. Everybody know Amazon. Everybody trusts Amazon. Most of everybody has ordered something or will order something uh, from Amazon, right? So I can leverage the like, know, and trustability of Amazon so I can get some initial sales. And that's what I did for many, many years. What I did not like about Amazon, at least as a, a self-published author, is that Amazon never shared with me who was buying my books. So yes, they'll give me some money for selling the books, but I never knew who bought my books. So me personally, I'm always somebody that, that thinks conservatively, that thinks how can I create as many degrees of separation in between me and poverty as possible. So I said, you know what? I do like Amazon. Amazon is creating passive income for me, right? Um, but I also would like to have a direct connection with the men and women that buy my books. So I initially created a publishing company, not because I expected it to make more money. In all honesty, I expected my publishing company to make way less money than Amazon was making for me because I was like, hey, this is my own website. More people know Amazon than me. So of course I'll make more money here, but I'll have a way to, if something ever happens with Amazon, if something ever happens with social media, I have the email addresses, the names and the phone numbers. So I can contact the people that enjoy my books directly and say, Hey, listen, I have this book out. You may be interested in it. If so, here's a link to purchase it, right? If not, Hey, I'm going to leave you with some valuable gems in that email that you can still apply to your life and we'll move on. Well, guess what? Having my own publishing company has made me just under $70,000 in six months. So from June to now, we're and we still got a couple of days left. So maybe we cross over that milestone. Um, but even if we don't, it, it is incredible to say my first year in business, which is really my first six months in business since I started halfway through the year, we're just under $70,000 by creating a, these are books exclusive to my publishing company. And if you want them, you have to come here and having that uh, exclusive nature of it, right? So how do you make money with eBooks is what we're talking about, right? Because it's good that you know how to do that, JT. How does that put money in my pocket, right? I write books with the sole intention of what's in it for the other person, right? So 
I don't write a book so that you can read a book and say JT is really good with words, right? That doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, me being good with words doesn't help you feed your family, right? Doesn't benefit you in any way. So what I do is I ask myself, before I want to write a book, how was how will this book help a total stranger? A total stranger that doesn't know me from social media, right? Doesn't know me from any interaction we had in life, but because the nature of the content of this book is so beneficial that they're going to get it based off of that value alone, right? Because I feel like a lot of people, they romanticize themselves too much, right? If you ask any of us, do you feel like you're important? When 100% of us will say, yes, I'm super important. I'm super valuable. I'm worth trillions of dollars, right? But if all of us that are here were to write a book, some of us wouldn't make a dime selling that book. Right. Why? Because we didn't go into it saying, OK, I didn't write this book for my benefit. I wrote this book for your benefit. So just naming a couple of books that I have out there that I'm, I know some of you all may be familiar with is that my first ever book was called The Drive to Freedom. That was the hustler's guide to teach people how to create their own six figure independent courier book. I'm transparent when I tell people about that book, that that book is not the end all be all. That book is how to start an independent courier business and how to scale it up to your first six figures. Now, there are men and women that have purchased that book. And just like anything, the hustle is sold separately. So I'm not guaranteeing that if you buy the book, you'll make six figures. Because if you buy the book, read the book and do nothing, then nothing will happen. But there are men and women that have bought that book and they've made so much money they quit their jobs. Some people are making six figures. Some people are making seven figures. Some people are making five figures, to be honest with you, but they're happy with the freedom that they now have that they didn't have when they were working a nine-to-five job. So it really just depends on what you want out of the situation to determine if it's a good deal or not, right? So that single book has helped people create additional income streams for themselves and that's why people buy the book, right? They didn't buy the book because they love JT, right? They bought the book because they want to know how to make money, all right? My latest book that I have out now, and I'll share it on the screen, but also read it to those of you that are listening to this podcast, is How to Make Six Figures a Year with a Business that Has No Products or Services. It is the future of making money smarter, not harder, right? That book is doing really well because, right, uh, because one, it's a catchy title, and second to that, it actually delivers. For years, we thought that in order to make money, I have to have a, a physical product to sell you, right? So I have to have a T-shirt. I have to have ink pens, a computer, uh, food, whatever it is that you want to buy. I have to have a physical product or I have to have a service, right? So maybe uh, I do cleanings, right? Car cleanings, house cleanings. Uh, maybe I do mobile dog grooming. Maybe you're a massage therapist. Maybe you're an esthetician. Whatever service you provide, you might be some sort of repairman, right? But now with the power of the internet, now you can create multiple six figures and there's people that are making seven figures, right? I don't know if you guys follow a, a gentleman by the name of Meet Kevin. And uh, of course, this is not sponsored. I don't know him personally. Um, I watch his YouTube channel and I bought his course because I'm somebody that doesn't just tell people to invest in their financial literacy. I also invest in my own financial literacy. But I bring up Meet Kevin because Meet Kevin just got a jet. 
and they're reporting that he makes $30 million a year. Now, yes, he invests in the stock market. Yes, he invests in real estate. But his digital business that doesn't have any products or services alone makes him millions of dollars. So, yes, selling a product, selling a service can increase your profitability, but that's no longer a prerequisite to be profitable, right? And in the past, that wasn't the case. You always had to have something, all right? So, uh, that's how I make money with ebooks, all right? I write books saying what's in it for the other person because it's 100% obvious what's in it for me. The, the $3, $10, $25, $100, whatever price I put on the book, that's obvious what's in it for me, but why should you give me your $3, $25, $100, whatever the price is of the book? Me personally, I think the most expensive book, um, not counting college textbooks, right, because we know college textbooks get insanely expensive, but the most expensive book that I purchased that wasn't a college textbook was probably around $300, all right? It was a $300 book, and it was talking about, uh, at one point in time, I wanted to look into coding and how do you code and do this and do that so it was like a master class book on doing that right now to this day I still don't know how to code uh but it was a valuable resource what I personally decided to do was hey I can make enough money doing this business that I enjoy to pay somebody to do what I don't enjoy but it's still necessary so I say all of that to say that writing ebooks is a viable way right so having my own publishing company, authorjt.com, is the gateway to get access to uh, my exclusive books like the, the ones that I'm referencing as well. You can go to amazon.com, type in JT Hustles. I have children's book series. I have adult book series, right? Um, another nugget right here for those of you that are tuned in now, whether you tuned in late or whether you just listened this long, is this, is that create an ebook that upsells something else. Right. Instead of just you buying my book one time and you gave me 10, 25, 35, whatever the price of the book is. And that's all that we have. Right. I want to give you a book that upsells you to something else. Maybe I say, OK, well, you can read this book and do it yourself. But would you like this done for you? Right. Because I have a team that's doing this for me now. And if you're too busy to do it for yourself, you can pay this fee and my team will set all of this up for you. And then all you have to do is manage what they set up. Right. And that's super popular right now. Or maybe somebody says, hey, listen, I have some questions. Usually when you buy somebody's book and read the book, it doesn't come with a Q&A, but you can upsell. Hey, if you want to talk to me or a member of my team on the phone, you can do a consultation. Right. If it is a ebook, you can have a clickable link, right? If it is a hard copy book, um, it could have a QR code in it, right? Because it don't matter if you type a link in a print book, can't nobody clean it, uh, can't nobody click it, excuse me, right? My South Carolina education bleeding out when I start mis mistyping and mistalking, right? Um, but you can have a QR code in there. They're free. They can link them to a resource. In an audio book, you can say, hey, if you want to know more, you can check out my conference, right? So for example, in a conference that we're actually finalizing this week is the foundations with the S on it, the foundations of wealthconference.com. That is going to be an environment where I'm going to put men and women that are like-minded in the same room. And we're going to talk about real estate. 
We're going to talk about stock investing. We're going to talk about intellectual property. We're going to talk about credit, government contracting. How do you hire people? How do you manage money, right? All of the spectrum, because a lot of people, they want to be entrepreneurs, right? And their mind is going a mile a minute. Right. It's somebody right now that say, hey, I like all of the businesses JT talk about. I just don't know which one to do first. So because I don't know what's the right answer, I'm going to do nothing. And that is the wrong answer. So the Foundations of Wealth Conference, what I've seen year after year with me advising people and saying, start with what you love, even if it doesn't make you the most money, because what you love is going to make you consistent. And then from that consistency, you're going to learn something that you can apply to other businesses, right? Don't get it twisted. The independent courier business is by far my favorite business of all time. It gave me the disposable income that allowed me to quit my nine to five job, take care of my financial responsibilities, and I had more money so I could invest into reselling. Later, I made more money reselling on eBay and Macari than I made off of being an independent courier, right? Secondly, I started making my own website. It was called beingthebest.com. Uh, if you type it in now and it exists, it's not mine anymore, but that was a merchandising private label company. Right. So I was making money as an independent courier. Then I started reselling on eBay Macari. Then I made my own website because I wanted bigger margins. I didn't want to worry about the eBay fees and the fees that these platforms take out. Um, as I was doing all of these things, people started saying, how do, how do you do that? How do you make money doing this? And I said, you know what? Instead of me having the same conversation a hundred times a day, YouTube is free. I'll just upload a few free YouTube videos, right? What I thought was going to happen was you'll see the videos. You'll say, okay, that's how he does it. And then you'll go do it. What I didn't know, because I didn't know anything about social media, was that there would be a tremendous outpour of follow-up questions, right? Because I'm the kind of person that you give me some information. I take that information. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to research it. I'm going to buy a book on it, pay for a course, listening to podcasts on it. Um, and I thought everybody was like that, right? I know that's crazy, but I just felt like that's how you find out the answer to things. It wasn't until I got on the YouTube and found out that I became that research arm for people. And at first, I didn't even like it, to be honest with you, because I thought people were lazy. Now what I realize is that those people aren't lazy. Those people are smart. They value their time. So they say, okay, listen, if you give me the answers, that saved me hours, days, weeks, months, maybe even years of trying to figure it out on my own. And there's no guarantee that I'll ever figure it out on my own, right? So that being the case, I said, you know what? I have to go more into media, but if I go more into media, that's less time I can own an independent courier company efficiently. That's less time I can manage reselling businesses efficiently. That's less time that I can manage my own uh, e-commerce website efficiently. So I slowly made the transition, and as media started paying me more money than these other things, I transitioned over into that, right? So that's why now I primarily do media because I've done all these other businesses and I still invest in other businesses, but this has had the highest ROI for me personally as anything else, right? And that is the sixth thing that you could do, becoming a social media influencer, right? So it's not for everybody. 
right? And when I say it's not for everybody, that does not mean that everybody that's watching this or listening to this is incapable of making six figures a year off of social media. What it is, is like I said before, and I'll say again, is that the hustle is sold separately. I told you guys that this podcast is one of a hundred podcasts that we're doing in a hundred days, right? The goal of doing a hundred podcasts in a hundred days is so that I have enough data to analyze and say, as a podcaster, this is what podcaster uh, podcast listeners of my podcast like. This is what they don't like. Okay, based off of that, let me take what I think they like and make a hundred more episodes just around what I think that they like based off of how they reacted to the first hundred, right? To some people, they say, hey, look, JT, that sounds like a hassle. That's a lot of work. I don't want to do none of that. You can have all of that, a hundred episodes just to figure out what podcast listeners will gravitate to the best. And then after you take that data, you're going to do a hundred more just around what they liked the first time. You're going to say, hey, man, it's not for me. But me personally, I enjoy it, right? I enjoy creating evergreen content that can help people in perpetuity. Podcasting being a new space for me, right? I need data, right? I don't want to assume that the same thing that you tune into me for on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook is what you will listen to me for in the podcast. Now, if the data says that I'm wrong, I, it's way easier for me, right? Just talk about the same thing everywhere. But maybe the man or woman that's a truck driver has a different need and they're listening to me as they go all across the country making money to provide for their family. So they want to know, how can I get out of the truck or how can I make passive income while I'm in the truck so that way eventually I can spend more time with my significant other, I can spend more time with my family. Whether that's kids and your significant other, maybe your mama is getting older, you want to spend more time with her, maybe you want to have more money to have better experiences, but that podcast listener don't have time to look at a YouTube video because they're a truck driver going down the road. They don't have time to listen to this Instagram live stream because their eyes, again, are on the road, right? But maybe they can go to the podcast app. They can say, okay, this sounds interesting. They can hit play and listen to it, but they may have different needs, right? So being a social media influencer is profitable, and anybody can do it that's willing to put in the work, right? I personally make data-driven decisions. Why? Because it's way easier to find out what somebody wants and give them what they want, then try to sell you something you don't like, right? I'm in the South. I, I was born and raised in South Carolina and North Carolina. A lot of you guys know I wasn't a great kid, but by the grace of God, we better now. So my mama kicked me out at high school, right? So I lived in South Carolina and North Carolina. Uh, but because I'm from the South, I don't subscribe to all the Southern stereotypes, right? So I, I don't want to eat pig feet hog maws, chitlins, all of this stuff that you say, hey, you from the South, y'all eat this, this, and this. Well, maybe somebody does, but not me, right? I'm using this analogy because here's the point. No matter how much you try to convince me that because I'm from the South, I should eat this way, I don't want to. So you'll be wasting your resources trying to convince me, you're wasting your time, your marketing dollars, everything that you're throwing at me to change my mind. I don't want it and you're not going to change my mind, right? And a lot of us go into business the same way. We'll say that as a social media influencer specifically, but this applies to multiple businesses, this is what I want to sell you. 
and you should want to buy it because I want to sell it to you and it can help you, right? Now, this is the thing. This is an analogy that I always use. Drinking more water can help everybody. But we all know certain people that say, I don't want to drink water. In the South, there's a lot of sweet tea and lemonade getting drunk up way more than water, right? I know some people up North, they don't have sweet tea, or at least the way that we say sweet tea in the South, but they might consume more juices, more sodas. But we all know people that they don't drink enough water, right? I'm guilty of it as well, right? I'm always battling myself to say, hey, hey, I got to drink more water today, more water today, right? Um, And maybe you could be the same. So me trying to change everybody's mind and say, hey, listen, everybody should drink nothing but water, nothing else, right? There's going to be somebody that says that that's not healthy because this study say drinking only water can do this, this, and this and hurt your body in this way. You got to have sugars, blah, 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 right? Somebody else might say that's nasty. I like to have this and that, right? And, and the, the point here is that why don't I just start off in the beginning when I don't know what people like, right? And podcasting being a part of social media, that's why we're going deep on this point, Right? I don't know if the podcast listener wants the same thing as the Instagram viewer, wants the same thing as the YouTube subscriber. So what I can do is give them the best value that I have and tell them pick. Via a podcast, they're going to pick based off of what they listen to. On Instagram, they're going to pick based off of likes, shares, views on the Instagram reels. On YouTube, same thing. Well, mostly viewership, right? Subscribing and viewership on YouTube. So I could take that data and say, people want this from me, all right? If you create any business with the mindset of, I am going to provide a service for people based off of what they want for their own reason, not because I want to sell you this, because this is the outcome that you should want, but all I am is the middleman, right? And for the female hustlers out there, you the, you the middle woman, right? Because sometimes they want to be technical, but respect everybody. So instead of saying, I'm going to create the desire to start, and then I'm going to create the outcome that you finish with, that's hard to do. All I want to do is be the middleman. So you want to make more money, so that way you can quit your job and travel the world. Right. You already had the desire to make more money. The outcome is to quit your job so you could travel the world. All I have to do is make content and provide resources that teach you this is how you make enough money to quit your job. And then this is how to make enough money to travel the world and still make money and not worry about when you come back home or the lights going to be off. Is there going to be an eviction notice on your front door? Right. Or you're going to get foreclosed on. All right. And if you create businesses, I don't care if you're doing that with food, you're doing that with clothing, you're doing that with information. If you go into it saying that I am going to be somebody that helps people get the goals that they want and I'm just going to help them, it's way easier to make money, right? It is super hard to sell somebody something that they don't want. And I'm sure everybody here can relate to that. Have you ever been in the mall or anywhere where somebody was trying to get you to come in their store, try their free sample, buy something that you don't want, right? It is incredibly hard to stop that person and make them come in and do a buying decision when they have no interest in that. But if they already are interested in that, they're going to come in without you even asking them because they're looking for something, right? So if you paint your product or service as being, hey, this is the means to get your goal. 
your goal may be you eat at my restaurant because it's good food at a fair price. It's convenient. You're not going to be waiting all day to get served. Right. Or you eat at my restaurant because you're trying to eat healthy. You're trying to lose weight. And we're going to give you a fair price, fast service, good food, help you lose weight. Right. You're going to buy my clothing because it's efficient. It's a statement piece. Like, right. I love these God is the greatest no cap shirts. Right. So I wear it often. I got this color and I got some other colors. Right. And shout out to God is the greatest no cap for for sending me these shirts. Right. Because uh, you guys know I'm unapologetically a believer. So I wear this shirt not because I'm incapable of buying any shirt that I want. Right. So I have shirts that were five hundred dollars. Right. But this shirt was a free shirt. I wear this free shirt more than I wear my five hundred dollar shirts. All right. Why? Because it's comfortable. I like the statement that it makes, right? And I wanted a comfortable shirt that's a statement piece that lets people know this about me. This feels that need. They didn't make me believe in God, right? The creator of this shirt, and for those that are listening, again, my shirt says God is the greatest, no cap, right? The person that created the shirt didn't make me believe in God, and then they didn't try to make me believe that he was the greatest once I believed in him. All they did was say, if you believe in God, and you're not ashamed to express that belief, and that's actually something that you're cool with promoting, we have the middleman, the merchandise, that'll get you there at an affordable price, and it'll be comfortable, and we'll ship it to you fast. Now, that's not everybody. I'm sure some people here will say, I'll never wear that shirt. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in whatever, whatever, right? Not everybody will be your customer, nor do you need everybody to be your customer. There's millions of people in the United States. There's billions of people in the world, right? Because of the internet, there's no restriction that you only have to do business with people that are in your town, in your city, in your state, in your country, all right? Shout out to Alibaba. Alibaba, uh, we're in communication via WhatsApp, and uh, they're talking about potentially bringing me and my team to China, right? They want to show me some things, talk business, do whatever, whatever. If the business makes sense, we might go, all right? So if it doesn't make sense, we won't go. But I can do business in China from North Carolina. I don't have to, you know, have a passport to do business with them. Now, I do want to go to China because I've never been before, so I got one. But it's not a prerequisite is the point that I'm making. I can do business with other countries from the dining room table of one of my investment properties. And that's literally what I'm doing right now. All right. But I'm, I'm sure I beat on becoming a social media influencer long enough um, to, to wrap that up, though. Start with one platform. Be super consistent. Look at the data. Right. Start with one platform. Be super consistent. Look at the data. My first platform was YouTube. Um, and then I branched out into Instagram. And now I'm branching out into podcasting, right? That does not mean that I'm going to quit on YouTube, quit on Instagram, or quit podcasting. That just means that if I tried to start all three at the same time, I would suck at all three. So by spending time dedicated to being good at this one thing and learning that to a certain level, now I can put a system in place so I can maintain the success on this platform while I go learn this other one. And now, once I learn that one, I can create another system in place to maintain the success on this platform and go learn another one. 
right? And now that's how we're slowly building our media company. Next thing I have here is blog is a blogging slash SEO business, right? Um, a friend of a friend, right? So I, I won't give his personal information. Uh, maybe one day we'll be, you know, direct friends, but we just haven't had uh, enough communication yet to decide if that makes sense or not. Um, is worth $80 million, and he has an SEO business. This is what he does, for simplicity's sake, because I don't want you guys to hear big numbers, and actually, behind the scenes, people tell me don't don't even share these numbers, right? So I'll make a video about how to make $10,000 a month based off of somebody that's making $200,000 a month doing it because sometimes people feel like it's too good to be true. But then when you think about it, there's somebody somewhere that's making... 2.4 million a year, $3 million a year or more. So that means that they had to average $200,000 or more a month, right? So we'll believe that such and such, this celebrity, this athlete, this entertainer, whatever, is worth $3 million or $2 million or whatever large amount of money that is reported by Forbes that they make. But once somebody says, well, this is how you do it, they immediately say that got to be a lie. All right, so that's just the kind of weird world that we live in. But going back to the point, $80 million, right? SEO business is how he makes his money. Basically, what he will do is uh, he immerses himself in learning and staying on top of the changes of SEO so that he can create websites that rank on the first page of Google for specific keywords, right? Uh, keyword being specific keywords. If you take a broad keyword like entrepreneurship and want to rank on the first page of Google for entrepreneurship, it is going to be incredibly hard. And by hard, I mean it's going to cost you a ton of money and it's going to cost you a ton of time and you still may never get there, right? So instead of taking broad keywords, even though they're popular, right? Entrepreneurship, entrepreneur, these broad keywords are super popular, but he might go in and take a micro keyword that still has decent searchability, create a SEO site based off of that, rank on the first page for that keyword, and then he will either sell those leads to companies or lease out the entire website to that company, right? Put it all together, JT, so it makes sense. I'm so glad that you asked. Let's say that there's somebody out there that does a pool cleaning business, right? You do pool maintenance, pool cleaning, you do the flooring that's around the pool, and those of you that have a pool will say, JT, it ain't called a pool, it's called a deck, but whatever it's called, whether it's a floor or a deck, but let's say you specialize in that. You clean people's pools, right? You unclog the pumps, you do minor maintenance, right? And you usually target, well, not even usually, you have to target people with pools. Usually, not always, but usually, people that have pools have disposable income because a pool, one, you need to have a little bit more insurance if you're wise. And secondly, that's an additional expense to maintain a pool, right? So usually those people have a little bit more money than people that don't maintain a, a quality outdoor in-ground pool. So you're already talking to a certain clientele of people. Well, let's say that you're good at what you do but you struggle at getting consistent customers, so your cash flow is up and down. Well, he will make a website, and it might be called uh, Pool Cleanings Bangkok, right? Or whatever local city it is, right? So Pool Cleaning Charlotte, North Carolina. And on that pool cleaning website, he might say, well, we do pool cleanings. We do these repairs. We do the decks. We do anything surrounding this business, right? Right? 
ranks on the first page of Google. So when somebody says, man, I think I got an issue with my pool, or I want to pay a company to come clean the pool and get it ready for springtime, let me see what's available. He's on the first page. They contact him. He contacts the company. Hey, JT, you got a pool cleaning and restoration business. I got some clients. Do you want them? And I can sell him the leads or I can lease him the entire website so now he can charge whatever he charges for those services. He pays me a flat rate monthly fee to have access uh, to that website, right? And he does this for multiple multiple businesses, right? So uh, he does it for pools. He does it for brick masons. And maybe if I name all the businesses that he makes money with, that is going to make him least likely to want to be my friend. So we'll just end it there, right? But the point of the matter is, is that creating a business where you take micro keywords, right? And say, okay, there might even be a, a word that people in the industry know, right? So I know for an appliance repair, people may say, uh, oh, a compressor job, a seal system job. So maybe if you say refrigerator repair in Atlanta, Georgia, it's a whole lot of competition. But if you say, hey, Samsung, compressor, model, whatever, whatever, right, and you got that somewhere on your site and it's ranking when people are Googling that and you come up as a blog resource and have a link service to that, right, that's how he made or is, is making a ton of money year after year after year, right? Now, uh, I want to stop here and pause and also say that we're going over 22 ways you could have made $100,000 in 2022, right? Um, not all of these ways will be quote-unquote easy. Easy is a relative term because it depends on what you like, right? If you're a tech-savvy person, maybe the SEO and online and social media stuff is easy. If you hate being online, maybe the dumpster rental business where you partner with major companies that send you all the work, you say, oh, man, that's easy. I can, I can hook a dumpster to my truck, drag it to a customer, let them fill it up drag it to the dump yard, dump it, that's easy, right? So uh, I, I do want to let you know that everything on this list is a viable way you could have made $100,000 in 2022. I do understand not everything is for everybody. I intentionally made this a, miss, a mixed list because I know depending on what your interests are, depending on what you're willing to do, some things will be better for you than others, right? So after the blogging slash SEO business, next thing I have written down on my list is an automated home repair business. I've done multiple YouTube videos and will probably continue to do multiple YouTube videos with Miss Rhea Young, right? Rhea travels to Dubai, Saudi Arabia, China, uh, uh, Florida. She's based out of Atlanta, um, but she travels anywhere she wants to travel whenever she wants to travel there and her business never closes. They never change their hours or anything um, because she has an automated home repair business, right? Uh, she also has an ebook out now and she's willing to teach other people how to do it. But in a nutshell, for brevity of this conversation, I'll say this, right, to describe it, that an automated home repair business is you're a landlord and your tenants put a hole in the wall, right? You go, drywall replacement, handyman services, whatever, whatever, right? Um, there's different apps that you can use. So she's on all the apps that people uh, source this work for. Uh, you can also make your own website. So when people Google it, since this is a service-based business, right? So if my refrigerator goes out at my media house, I don't come to Instagram looking for 
uh, people to fix refrigerators, I'm going to go to Google and say, refrigerator, repair me, right? Or something along those lines near me. And that's how I'm going to find somebody. So she's on all of these platforms, right? Um, what she does is she contracts with handymen that don't know how to market, right? Keep in mind, like we said earlier, think of your business as being a middleman business, right? She goes out and she contracts with B2B businesses. You can do it B2C, but her business model is B2B, so I'll share that with you. Uh, B2B businesses like Fortune 500 companies. So you put money in a 401k plan. If, if you have a job and you contribute to it, maybe they even do a match. A small percentage of that money, usually less than 1%, may be allocated not by the company that you work for, because believe it or not, a lot of these companies... They send that money to Fidelity, Vanguard, whatever institution they partner with, and they're in charge of maintaining your retirement funds up until you switch companies or you get ready to retire. So these companies will allocate a small portion of money to these different hedge funds and different investments, trying to preserve your initial investment, and the good ones are trying to make you make money. So small percentage of this money ends up in real estate, right? Now, keep in mind, a small percentage is still talking about billions of dollars because we're, we're saying all of the people in the United States all contributing various amounts of money in their 401k plan. So that could be billions, maybe even trillions of dollars, right, all going into different 401k plan allocations. So you could take hundreds of millions of those dollars and compared to the entire pie, it's barely noticeable. So what some companies do, because uh, I don't want to get too deep into it and, and make it confusing, they'll buy a multifamily real estate in major cities like Atlanta, right? And then now when you're paying your rent, you just know you're paying it to your landlord, such and such LLC, right? As a real estate investor myself, right, when people pay their money for my STRs, it doesn't come to me personally. I have an LLC set up. So they don't know that, hey, they paid me for it. They paid whoever the owner was for this place to stay, all right? So when that person has an issue, uh, the heat's not working, this is going on, that's going on, they're going to contact their landlord. Hey, Mr. Landlord, Miss Landlord, the heat not working, it's getting cold, y'all need to send a maintenance man out here ASAP. Now, a lot of these companies may have in-house maintenance people, but if they own a tremendous amount of properties, they will have to leverage contractors as well because it's cheaper to have, let's say, 10 full-time workers, and usually that's enough, and then you contract contractors out for the rest of it, right? Instead of having 50 people that you pay full-time, all right? So she will go out there and she'll contract with major insurance companies, property management companies, Fortune 500 companies. They'll send her the work. She'll dispatch out the technicians. The technician may say, for this repair, I'll charge you 280 bucks. She'll charge the client 380 bucks. I'm just using this for easy math. These numbers are way bigger than this in real life. So she'll pay the technician 280. Uh, she'll bill the client 380. She made $100 profit. She didn't have to be in the same town, city, state, or country. Uh, and she runs this business, makes multiple six figures a year. Uh, the YouTube channel uh, is JT Automations. And in a video, she already said she averages at least $800 a day profit. This is after all expenses. She averages $800 a day profit doing this business. 
not just her. She taught her family members how to do it. Many of her family members are still doing it. The reason why all of them aren't doing it is because, as she shared, some of her family members, it was a means to an end. They didn't enjoy dispatching out technicians and working with companies. Maybe their passion was in other areas, so they used this to get the seed money to go invest in whatever their passion is. So, um, And that may be the case with any other things that are on this list as well. So don't think just because anything that we don't name on this list isn't your dream occupation or dream way to make money. It could be a means to an end, right? The independent courier business for me was a means to the end. Same has been reselling, same as having that merchandising site. Uh, and we might even revisit that in the beginning. Uh, uh, of the year, right, going into 2023. Next thing that I have here is flipping medical commodities. I have a ton of videos on my channel with Felix, and he talks about why uh, diabetes is prevalent, and we're not arguing whether it can be cured or not. We're just stating the facts as they stand that while diabetes is prevalent, um, there is a business where people get diabetic testing strips in excess of what they need. Lots of times these men and women don't know that they can sell these strips back. Right. Who do they sell them back to you as a, a man or woman out there that buys medical testing strips and then you sell them back to big major wholesale companies. Right. The convenience is multifaceted in that the man or woman that has diabetes, maybe before they knew that they could sell them to you every month, they were just letting them go bad or they were giving them away. It wasn't making them any money. Right. No matter what they were doing. But now. Every month that they get excess, they get X amount of money from you. Now you've given them an additional income stream off of something that was trash at one point to them. So you help them transfer their trash into cash. You're a asset to the wholesaler because the wholesaler doesn't want to deal with a hundred different people that all have a couple of boxes. They would much rather deal with one person that has hundreds of boxes. So you go collect all the boxes, you pay them price A, you upsell them to the wholesale buyer for price B, and that's how you make money, right? Big question people ask as it comes to this income stream, why don't the people with the strips cut me out and sell them directly to the person, right? They don't know that that's an option. They don't know that those people exist. They don't know how to do it, right? Same reason why we go to the gas station and buy gas, because we don't know how to create our own vehicles that don't need it, or we don't know how to make our own gas at home, right? If there was a way that we all knew how to make our own gas at home or a suitable replacement, gas stations will go out of business because we all would be cooking up whatever fuel we could pour in the tank and drive down the highway, right? Uh, so it's a convenience business, all right? These men and women don't know that there is somebody else that they can sell it to, right? They look at it as you're the person, all right? So that's how that makes money. Uh, Felix is the person you can reference. Giant Lifestyle is in social media. You can fact check anything that I have on this list. He's been making multiple six figures. He's got into this business because his father um, is a diabetic, and he learned about this business years ago um, and started off with just using what his dad had in excess, turning into a six-figure business in a short amount of time, and has consistently been doing that ever since, right? Next on this list is the pallet business. I know some of you have seen that video on the JC Automation's YouTube channel as well. Basically, pretty much all the freight that moves in the United States is going to be transported via a truck, and on the back of that truck is going to be freight sitting on pallets, 
All right. Now, the business that John Wilker teaches is bigger than just uh, the pallet business. He teaches you about corrugated boxes, Gaylord boxes, drums, all of these other things that are byproducts. And he shows you how do you source these items from point A, sell them for an upcharge at place B, right? And uh, you're a value add to the company that you're getting them for free from. You're not always getting them for free, but you're either getting them for free or from a discounted price at point A. And then you're an asset to where you're taking them because you're giving them a better deal than going to the pallet yard, right? He doesn't teach going to the pallet yard. He teaches you a better way to make money off of this business, right? I think that this is another one of those businesses for anybody out there that says, hey, JT, I'm not super tech savvy. I don't want to learn all that stuff on the phone, all that stuff on the internet. I want to pause and encourage you to at least consider doing those things because you can make a lot of money in ways that aren't as labor intensive, but in case it interests you, right? And you can do the pallet brokering business as he does as well, where you can make money by leveraging um, other people as well saying, Hey, look, I have this item here. I needed to go there. I will pay you to go pick it up there and take it there. I'll make money off of the spread, right? I'm trying to speed up a little bit for the sake of time. You guys know if you got questions, uh, drop them in there as well. We'll answer as many questions as we can. Being mindful of your time. The appliance repair business is another big business that I've been talking about for years. You can learn the skill set from Mr. Mike Sneed of Appliance Bootcamp, right? Um, and the good thing about this business is that like the dumpster rental business, you can partner with major insurance companies that will insure major appliances as part of the homeowner's insurance policy, or you can get an additional policy, right? Because I'm telling you, as somebody that owns several properties, every time I buy a new property, it never fails. I'm going to get a letter in the mail because they got notified that the name on the property has changed and they're trying to sell me coverage for uh, my roof, my floor, flood insurance, appliance insurance, right? And there's a lot of people that do take advantage of them because uh, certain companies are inexpensive and you're paying for that peace of mind, right? So I own my property outright. So in the state of North Carolina uh, and South Carolina as well, you're not legally required. And this might be in every state. I'm not saying that it's special about the Carolinas, but what I am saying is that I don't want to speak about states that I'm not familiar with. So I'm only speaking about what I know. So in the Carolinas, and you guys let me know if it's true in your state as well, I'm not required to maintain insurance on properties that I own outright. I have no debt against them, no mortgage, no nothing. However, every property that I purchase, I immediately go put insurance on, right? Why? Because of the peace of mind. I hope that I never have to call and put in a claim. All right. Some people will look at that and say, man, that's a waste of money. You paying X amount of dollars and you may never even need that. You own it outright. You can save that money. Some people even do that. They say, well, I'll just save the money. I will pay in insurance. And if I go so many years without needing it, by the time I do need a repair, I'll just use that cash uh, to do so. Right. And to each their own. But me personally, I believe in insurances, whether I need them or not, because real estate for me is a major part of my retirement. I would love for you all to listen to my podcast, watch my social media, tune into my movies that we're producing and writing, and for forever. And that creates a great life for me and generations after me. However, what's a safer bet, because social media um, hasn't been out as long as this, is real estate, right? So I can hang my hat 
on knowing that people will more than likely always need a place to stay. So by investing money in the real estate and creating my own real estate business, whether you want to listen to my podcast, watch me on Instagram, watch my movies, or check me out on other social media like YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it, right? People need a place to stay. So I want to ensure that because I am not a nine to five employee, haven't had a job since 2014. So there is no company back, whatever, whatever that I can fall back on. Right. I'm going to fall back on the bed that I made for myself. And the same thing will be true for you as an entrepreneur as well. Even if you don't lay a bed, you just going to fall back on the nothing that you created for yourself. Right. So going back to appliance repair, Right. There are certain insurances that will cover all major appliances. I can call in. I can pay a small deductible, get all my appliances either repaired or replaced. So you can learn this business again by checking out Appliance Bootcamp, learning from Mike Sneed. Be sure to let them know JT Central if you do decide to do that. And this is a business you can start with basic hand tools that you can get from Harbor Freight Tools, Lowe's, Home Depot, True Value, whatever place is in your area that um you can get basic hand tools from right um and a multimeter i would say a multimeter is probably the most advanced tool um that you'll need to get started and you can always expand beyond that right mobile notary business shout out to vanessa right shout out to andre hatchet these are the, this is a man and a woman that respectfully right i don't even know if they know each other are in two different states both are mobile notaries both are killing it in this business all right what I like about this business is that um, most anybody can do it and the amount of work that's available. Now, there is a misconception going around that says that, hey, listen, you can only make $5 as a notary. And what Andre explains and has explained over and over again, as well as Vanessa, is that the key word in this business is you're the mobile notary business. Now, yes, if they come to you, five dollars it is what it is right and yes they can go to the ups store yes they can go to the post office but they can't always go there so you being available flexible right you going to them flexible right so you got flexible times and flexible uh uh locations uh is how you can charge more than that and it's perfectly legal to do Right. Perfectly legal to do. Right. Uh, I see the question. Can you do this in the UK? So I would definitely say that um, I'm I'm not sure if there's notaries in the UK in 2023 and beyond. We're going to be traveling to other countries with the intention of finding businesses that, that can be started in other countries. But I would say that um, as long as there are notaries there. Uh, as long as there are bank closings going on there for houses, as long as there are attorneys there. So these are the kind of people that consistently provide work for notaries. So uh, if a closing attorney or several closing attorneys in your area all are going to need a notary to notarize items, you can say, hey, listen, I'm going to go drop off my business card, let them know what I do, this is what I charge, and I'll give you a discount if you have multiple closings, right? What that attorney is going to do is they're still going to charge whatever they normally charge, right? So let's say that they're going to charge, uh, I think last time I paid for it, it might have been like 140 bucks. Well, I never met the notary. The notary could say, I'll charge you uh, 100 bucks for the first one, and I'll charge you 75 bucks for all the ones after that. Well, guess what? Me and everybody else that closed that day are still going to pay 140 bucks. So if they did 10 closings, 15 closings, 20 closings, it don't matter. It's still... The consumer price doesn't change, all right? The consumer price doesn't change, but the margins get better, 
So the lawyer is going to make more money and the lawyer is going to want to keep that mobile notary around, right? And even if you're making $40 a pop and you're doing 10, 15, 20 of them a day and you all have to drive to one location and just hang out at an attorney's office, easy money, right? Easy money. In my opinion, no disrespect to any mobile notaries out there that, that disagree. We already touched on the independent courier business. I tell you guys all the time, that's my favorite business. That's my first six-figure business I ever started. Um, and this is, in my opinion, a super simple business. Basically, you pick up freight from point A, you drop it off at point B. If there are any returns, you bring those returns back to point A, and you get paid for it. Right. So super simple. You find a three PL or the way that I recommend that you start. This isn't the only way that you can start. I recommend that you find a three PL, a third party logistics company. You can find them on Craigslist. You can find them on Google. You can find them on job boards. You contact them. You tell them you have every piece of equipment under the sun and ask them how much do they pay? I didn't say you had to go buy every piece of equipment under the sun, but you call them. Hey, I got a box truck. I got a sprinter van. I got a cargo van. I got a sedan. What y'all got availability for? How much do it pay? Right? So, then based off of how much they pay, if the risk is worth the reward, you could go get that in, that item. Right? So, hey, that's how I did the business. So, I contacted people. I didn't have a box truck. I said, how much you pay me if I had a box truck? Oh, this amount of money? Guess what I did? I went and found a box truck and bought it. All right? But I don't recommend that you go out and because... This happens a lot. I got to address it. People will say, well, I got such a great deal on this cargo van, JT. But then when you look and you find that your market is saturated with cargo vans, so now they're trying to offer you less money than you're comfortable with taking. Now you say, man, this business is a scam. This business don't work. JT lied to me. He told me I was going to make six figures a week, right? Which I never said that, but people have these these exorbitant recollections of what was actually said. Um so that's why I've always taught you go find the money first, then you find the means to earn the money. All right, that's a nugget right there. So for anybody that's listening, if you don't remember too much, hey, that's one of the ones you should remember right there. All right, so you go find the money first, then you go find the means to get the money. Okay, you will pay me X amount of money if I had this. Okay, if that's enough money to make it worthwhile, it's going to motivate me to go get whatever it is, whatever the means are to get that in. And if it's a big enough reward, even if I don't have the means, I'm willing to, to, to try to leverage relationships, banks, whatever I got to do, because I know that the reward is so big that I'll be able to make good on that, that uh, arrangement, right? Would you start a total business or a Airbnb business? Um, I need to know what you mean by a total business. Would you start a total business or Airbnb business? So um, if you could give me a little clarity on what you mean by a total business. Um, I know what an Airbnb business is, but um, just let me know what you mean by that. Um, so the independent courier business, again, to me, favorite business. Um, it was so easy that a JT could do it. And, and that means that it's way easier than something that a caveman could do. Um Drive a van, you don't need a CDL. Um, lots of times you don't need a special license if you're not transporting hazmat, if you're not going across state lines. Um, and you know, of course, all of this is public information on the DLT website that I read and read and read to make sure that I was complying as well. 
Um, and I recommend that you do the same as well if you're going to get into it. Um, would you start an Airbnb business, uh, Airbnb business, excuse me, or a car rental business? In the market that I invest in, um, you make more money off of Airbnb than Turo or starting your own car rental business with their own website. So me personally, Airbnb pays me more money. So um, I had a Kia Sorento that I was going to Airbnb. And in the market that I'm in, it wasn't profitable, right? So it was the small amount of profit I would have made was to me not even worth the time and the risk associated with letting somebody rent out this vehicle and et cetera, right? Um, but maybe if you're in Atlanta or Los Angeles or in a market where it's more viable, then the car rental business will make more sense, right? In the market that I'm in, the best thing to have is like a minivan with three rows of seats or any vehicle that has three rows of seats. Um, that's going to make the most money. That's going to stay going the most. Um, but what, what I did to research it and what I would encourage you to do is download the Airbnb app and download the Toro app and look at how many listings are in your area. What are the reviews? What are the top reviewed people uh, offering, whether it's vehicles, whether it's house, what location, and just do your research like that because that's a free education, all right? Now, of course, there's a lot of great men and women out there that got training courses, and I'm not knocking training courses. I buy training courses. I sell training courses, but um, I still tell people, start with the free stuff first, right? Because I don't want you to have buyer's remorse, and you pay and decide that, hey, this more work than I wanted to do, or this ain't what I imagined it to be. So I personally still recommend, hey, Look at the free stuff. The free stuff might let you know this ain't worth my time. This ain't enough money. Uh, I don't enjoy doing this aspect of it. So I didn't know about that. So I, there's no need to go further because time is your most valuable resource. Right? Not money, but time. Right? So I, I definitely don't want anybody to ever waste their time. All right? Moving on. Um, You could become a seller on Amazon, eBay, Macari, all of the top sites. Right? Uh, people are killing it on Etsy, um, and I'm sure that uh, Redbubble is another one, right? And, and the longer I sit here, the more I can think of them, but um, it depends on what you're selling, uh, what medium will make the most sense. Of course, Amazon is the biggest in the room right now, but I personally struggled to sell everything on Amazon except my own books, right? Everything else for me was a struggle. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's a struggle because Amazon isn't a great way to make money because my brother Travis makes a killing off of Amazon. I didn't know what I was doing on Amazon, but I understood eBay. I understood Macari. I made a killing on eBay and Macari. So even to this day, the only thing that I sell on Amazon is my books as a self-published author. All right. But you might say, hey, man, hey, I love Amazon. Amazon will make me six figures, seven figures, you know, and beyond, and salute to you. However, I don't want you to think that it's either Amazon or nothing. Because for me, I made a full-time income off of eBay and Macari, right? And I know some other people that say, hey, they made a killing off of Etsy, all right? And the list could go on and on as well. So don't discount yourself and say that if you can't make money as a reseller on one platform, that doesn't mean that you can't make an insane amount of money on others because you can, right? I'm telling you from firsthand experience. But becoming a reseller, you could do that. Uh, Travis underscore GWV 
is how you can fact check me on that. He's a practitioner. He does that as well. Flipping phones, you guys know uh, I started creating content and will continue to share content from Money Man Jeff. It is his social media handle. He flips phones. So he puts out marketing advertisements to buy phones. Then he sells them to his wholesale buyers. He also... Uh, at times resells them to local people as well, right? But he has that guaranteed buyer with his wholesale buyers. But even beyond that, he has local people that, hey, hey, if you come across an iPhone such and such or whatever, whatever, hey, I'm willing to buy it. So he can put out marketing uh, via paid ads, via social media, find people that have those phones. Maybe that phone has a cracked screen, so they got another phone. Now that phone isn't as val valuable to him, so he'll replace the screen delete off all the old information, sell that phone as a refurbished phone, and it works fine once you replace the screen and everything. If you do it right, just like anything in business, and he does teach people how to do those basic repairs, how to find those men and women that will sell you those phones, and how to resell them as well, and he makes great money. He's, he's actually um, out of the country a lot. Uh, and still able to make money with that business, right? So these businesses give you time freedom as well as the money that I know a lot of people are looking to make as well, right? Uh, after phone flipping, number 16, all right? I appreciate everybody that stayed with me this long. Again, my podcast is the Income Autopilot Podcast. Be sure to listen to it on all podcast streaming platforms. We're doing 100 podcasts in 100 days. Um, and what I need for you to do is go leave a review, go like it, let me know what's good, what's bad. Uh, I told you guys I'm doing 100 podcasts in 100 days just to see what's most valuable to the podcast listeners, right? I know that even though I'm the same person, you might tune in to me on different mediums for different reasons. So again, the person that um, listens to me via podcast may not have time to watch the YouTube videos, watch the Instagram live streams, and they may be interested in making enough money to get out that truck. Right, which is different than what some people may be tuning in to me on Instagram and YouTube for. All right, so really wanted to let you guys know uh, we are getting consistent with the podcast and uh, go show some support over there. It's going to be a resource that's for your convenience as you travel, as you work out, as you do whatever you got to do. Go ahead and check me out on whatever platform uh, you like to listen to podcasts on. All right, um, so Money Man Jeff is his name, um, and uh. I also have a training available in Hustle Academy, which is linked in my bio as well. Um, so it really just depends. Now, Money Man, Jeff is going to teach you how to fix it and flip it to make money. Hustle Academy just teaches you how to fix it. So you still have to find your own customers um, for that business as well, right? So it just depends on what direction you're trying to go into. it. Uh, I see another question that came through that was asking, uh, do I do business under an LLC or under my name? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. In the beginning, I don't invest money in creating an LLC until I have proof of concept, i.e. making money. So early on, I might make a few dollars, but then once I say this is something that I'm committed to, that I want to make real money with and scale up, I immediately turn it into an LLC. That's going to allow me to protect my personal assets from my business assets then and that's personally something that I do, right? Not everybody does it. Um, now, somebody might say, well, an LLC is so inexpensive, I'll get an LLC before I make a dime because it's only X amount of dollars in their state. But for me personally, and when I first got into entrepreneurship, um, even though 
It was $400 when I first started in Maryland. That's where I got my very first LLC before I relocated back. And I went down, told the lady what I was trying to do. She filled out the paperwork, charged me $400, right? So somebody told me that she overcharged me because they LLC in Maryland wasn't that much. But whatever it was, I went downtown. I didn't want to make any mistakes. It's my first time starting a business. This was way before I was on social media. So I wanted to make sure I did it right. Um, but that $400 was a lot of money to me at the time. Right. Um, but I wanted to be legit. Um, so after that, because that was my independent courier business, every other business after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to see if I can make a little bit of money before I spend that four hundred dollars again. If I can make four hundred dollars with it, then it pay for itself to become legitimate. So um, that's just a mindset that I have that I carried on with me. Um, I don't wait too long. All right. But but to me, I like to make a little money. And by a little money, enough money to legitimize itself. If it makes enough money to buy that LLC and I want to do it long term, I'm going to pay for that LLC. If it makes enough money then to pay for the website, make the website. If it needs insurance, make the insurance. You know, so on and so forth, depending on the nature of the business that you're getting into, right? So th that's my take on that. Um, starting a mobile car detailing business, all right? There's a few things that I got to do today. I, and I'm going to try to get as much done as possible, but one of which is um, get my car detailed. Now, I'm busy, so um, as many of you guys know, but for the benefit of the people that got into this live stream late, this is my media house. So I invested in a real estate property just to do podcasts, YouTube videos, Facebooks, live streams, uh, where it talks about getting an esports team, doing short films. I'm in discussions with actors that hopefully I can get them to be in my first a legit short film like we're doing actual movies now um so i like to come here and this is my office and while i'm here i want to be able to contact a hey, um i need a mobile detailing person can you come detail the cars while i'm podcasting right there's a garage right here behind that door so i could just let the garage door open and i could be here podcasting or i could be editing or I could be writing or I could be doing whatever it is that contributes to the bottom line of the business. I could be doing training with my VAs all while my mobile detailer, all right, is out there detailing cars. Mobile detailing is a need for me, right? So I will easily pay even if it was a subscription and they say, hey, JT, we're going to charge you this much money a month and we're going to come mobile detail your car twice a month at your media house. So all I have to do is show up to work. Leave the garage door open. Leave the doors unlocked. I got ring cameras all around all my properties. So, of course, you know, for safety, I'll make sure it's them when they come here. But go to work. Leave your garage door open. Leave the doors unlocked. We'll detail your car. By the time you get off work, you got a freshly detailed car. Pay this money on the first of the month. Easy. Right? And that's just me. I know several other people that will do that as well. Right? Um... What, what struggles um, I've seen a lot of people have that get into this business is that they go into it as a side hustle and then they never want to legitimize their hustle into a legit business. So professionalism matters. Reviews matter. Website matters. Uh, man, go get a work shirt, right? Yeah, you detailing cars, but still show up with some pride of service. Have, have a collar shirt or a T-shirt on that says JT's Mobile Detailing, right? So little things like that. Put a magnet on your car, right? Or on your, your van, truck, whatever you're using. So um, these sorts of things are going to, one, make me 
think that you're a real professional because if you come off like a side hustle jack leg person, guess what? I want to pay you side hustle jack leg money. All right, I don't want to pay premium. I don't want to get on your subscription service um, if you're not a professional. Now, if you're a professional, lay down sale. If you come through and you doing a halfway job of convincing me, hey man, how much you charge for this one? Do this one, and then I'll decide whether or not later on I want to call you again. All right, but mobile car detailing. If you're somebody that enjoys doing that, don't mind doing that. Um, you could do it out of your. You're gonna need like a decent sized vehicle, right? Now, um, I'll tell you, as somebody that lives in a certain neighborhood and invests in other neighborhoods, there are certain neighborhoods that as a mobile car detailer, you can hook up to their water, use their water, nobody cares. There's other neighborhoods that that is viewed as not being professional. So the neighborhood that I live in, if you go there, you got to have your own water tank and bring your own water. Now, if you come to the media house or the Airbnb, those neighborhoods are... Hey, if you need to hook up your water to the water hose line real quick, hey, cool. That's no big deal, right? So knowing your market matters. The same city, different neighborhoods, if you show up saying, hey, I just need to connect to your water, um, oh, never mind, man. You can leave, right? Straight up. That's what my neighbor's going to say, all right? Depending on what kind of day I'm having, that's what I might say. All right, what's up, Tamaris, man? How you doing? All right, so understanding your market, coming off as a professional, those things really matter, right? Mobile detailing business is a play, all right? Um, in the same breath, 17, mobile cleaning business. Mobile cleaning business. Um, one of my goals going into uh, 2023, right? And um, let's have a slight caveat about goals as well. I think that everybody going into the new year, you can call it resolutions, you can call it goals, you can call it whatever, um, you shouldn't set comfortable goals, my goal for the year was 300,000 YouTube subscribers, 100,000 followers on Instagram. So we crossed over 100,000. Now, when I made it, because hindsight is always 2020, when I made this goal, I had 40,000 followers on Instagram. Now we're at 120 some odd thousand. All right. So starting the year at 40, and I've been on here for years, I've never had a year where I got 80,000 followers on Instagram. But yet, that was the the goal was to get at least 60,000 more. We crushed the guy 80. Now, on the YouTube channel, we're probably going to finish the year off at 285,000. Now, I started the year with 150,000. All right? So I got 130,000, uh, 135,000 more, right? Um, the reason why that's important, the reason why it's worth having this caveat discussion is this, is that I think that in order to get better, you need to set goals that require you to be better. Right. If I already know that I can get an extra hundred thousand followers on YouTube a year, I shouldn't set a goal to get another hundred thousand followers every year. I should say, you know what? Hey, I want to get two hundred thousand more. I want to get three hundred thousand more. Why? Because that's going to force me to get better during the process, because if I do the same thing that I was doing last year, I'm going to get the same results. Right. Maybe even get a little bit less results because it might not be as effective the next year as it was the first year. The first year might have been new, innovative, and I could run it up, right? This year, it ain't new, it ain't innovative. It's the same thing you did last year, so it might not get the same results, right? Um, so when it comes to goal setting, as it pertains to entrepreneurship, I challenge you to set goals so high that it requires you to become a better man, requires you to become a better woman in order to uh, get them, right? That's how I continue to grow. 
and you're not going to always hit those goals, right? So that's why I'm telling you, we hit the Instagram goal. We're not going to make it, um, at least I don't think so. Hey, if it be the grace of God and we hit it, amen. But um, it's not a bad thing to set those goals and not hit them because I'm still way further along than if I would have set a goal based off of what I already knew I could do. All right, same thing in business, same thing in investing. Set goals that require you to become better along the way. That's how you're going to continue to get better and better. And sometimes you're going to crush that goal and get way better than you even imagined. Other times you're going to fall short. And like I said, next year, still 500,000 subscribers. So if we end the year at 285, right, I still need to figure out how to get 215,000 more subscribers by the end of 2023 to get 500,000 subscribers. Right, I know how to get a hundred thousand followers a year. I don't know how to get two hundred thousand. Guess what? My job is to get better, right? Learn how to do it, get better along the way. That's how you build sustainable businesses. That's how you stay valuable in the marketplace. I don't care if you're a, a influencer, I don't care if you're selling cups, hats, jewelry, it don't matter. All right, now let's get back on track and wrap up this list real quick. So, starting a cleaning business, another one of my goals for 2023 is um. Uh, getting more serious about my health. Uh, I've been all hustle, all let's get it, all we got to run up the bag, we got to preserve the wealth. And at times I've sacrificed uh, eating healthy, working out, all of that stuff that we know we should do, right? But being transparent with you and whether you guys care to share or not, I know I'm not the only one, all right? So that being said, uh, I said, you know what? I need to go ahead and pull the trigger on getting a personal chef. Not because I care that people say, oh, man, you making so much money, you don't cook your own food. But that financial obligation, me, I know what motivates me. Spending money motivates me. Hey, I want to make that money back. That was an investment. I didn't spend that to flex, right? I spent that so that way I'm motivated to make that back. All right, when I met with my analyst in, uh, in Atlanta, she was telling me about looking at my numbers and how to be better. And she was saying, hey, you should go to Neiman Marcus and get this, this, and this, right? Because even though I see your numbers, I know how profitable you are as a businessman from the outside looking in. It don't really look like you're getting it like that. It look like you're talking about it, but it don't really look like you're getting it like that, right? So I went to Neiman Marcus. I spent more money than I wanted to spend, but spent thousands of dollars on clothes and shoes, Right. And then, guess what? Locked in and made a ton of content in all of them clothes, right? So, uh, made my money back. But that motivates me. Everybody's motivation is different. Um, if I don't have any skin in the game, it's very hard for me to be consistent. And I know consistency is the key to success in anything that you're doing. So, uh, I'm getting a personal chef. And I want to hire a full-time cleaning person for all of my properties, right? So, right now, we got a small portfolio. I plan on... Um, slowly scaling that up over time. And uh, I, what I want to do personally is have a cleaning person that I bring in-house and then maybe later help them um, create a cleaning business where they make money from me and they also provide a service that I help them create a system to market so they have other clients as well, right? And I don't even care about making money off of it. If it gets so profitable that they clean all my properties for free and hey, it still works for me. Um, let's go on down this list, though. Keep it going. Um, a daycare center business that's partnered with the government. Um, if you've been following me for any amount of time, you guys know my relationship with daycare centers. 
a close family friend was telling me for years, hey, JT, you need to invest in daycare centers. They make a lot of money. They're not going anywhere. People are going to always need a safe and reliable place to have their kids. And uh, they first started telling me this as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps, right? And in the Marine Corps and immediately after, I was what uh, the old folks call a quote-unquote manly man, like or the man's man. So I was all about still lifting weights and, and, and eating red meat and like just being a, a savage, right? Like, so to me, that's what my perspective of this is what a man was. This was what masculinity was. This is what men do as it was taught to me by the Marine Corps and just life experiences up until that point. And in none of that was owning a daycare center business. I felt like I'm not that type of guy. I'm a real man. Real men don't own daycare centers. And then God blessed me with a daughter. It changed me drastically. All right. And then now I said, you know what? What you said about them daycare center businesses? They're going to always be around. They make good money. Hey, I want to invest in the daycare center business now. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be in there changing diapers and making macaroni. Um, but I will own the business. I'll manage the business. I'll hire people, put them in place. And um, one of the things that I want to do, or not, I don't even want to say want, right? I'm speaking for a place of ownership from here on out. I am going to buy into a daycare center uh, by the end of this week, right? I plan on going there uh, Friday, making an in-person cash offer. Let me buy in. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to say yes, um, but I may be wrong, right? So time will tell. Um, and the only way I won't do that if something major happens in between now and then that prevents me from going there and making that offer. All right. Um, but a daycare center business and there are daycare center businesses that partner with the government and the government will give vouchers to certain people that qualify to get uh, child care. So you could partner with them and it's guaranteed money. All right. They're going to send you money. You're going to get these kids, take care of these kids. Um, there is a lot of liability. Of course, we're talking about children here. You want to do right by them, keep them safe, teach them a little something, feed them, all of that basic stuff. But um, that's one of those businesses, like they say, uh, funerals and, and daycare centers. Funeral homes and daycare centers are two businesses that will, will be around before you were born and will be around way after you're gone, right? Daycare centers and funeral homes, right? So, um I personally don't have the stomach for a funeral home, uh, but a daycare center as an investor is something that I definitely plan on um, aggressively pursuing this year. And if it doesn't get done this year, because it's just time's sake, uh, going into the new year. All right. Um, becoming an event planner. All right. This is a business that I hear a lot of young ladies talk about doing. But then for one reason or another, they never do it. All right. I'm going to tell you, I am planning the foundations with the S on it, the foundations of Wealth Conference. The website is the foundations with the S on it, conference.com. Check it out, all right? <laughs> um, shameless plug. My event planner costs $2,000 a day. Every day of the event, it's a three-day event. She costs $2,000 a, a day, and that is the discounted price for the amount of days that I'm booking her. If I booked her for a one-day event, it will cost more. Now, event planners make money. This is a, my event personally, is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event. Usually she does just Saturdays, or she'll do a Saturday, Sunday event. All right? 
you can do the math. It don't take a whole lot of Friday, Saturday, Sundays at $2,000 plus for you to make six figures, all right? And that is just for her specific services. This is not counting kickbacks, right? Let me break that down a little bit more. So I know I want to do this event. I have this vision for the event. I am too busy to plan all of this stuff myself. I will outsource it out to an event planner. I go to Google, I find the best ranked event planners. Uh, once I find their website, I check out their website, check out their Google reviews, I go to their social media, I see what people say about them on social media. Boom, you seem to be the best, contact them, right? That's why I'm paying as much as I'm paying for it. I did some research on her. She is one of the best, if not the best in the area, all right? She's going to work with the caterer. She's going to work with the videographer. She's going to work with the photographer. She's going to work with the person that owns the event space. She's going to take care of the decorating. She's going to take care of the everything, right? So without trying to name every small detail, everything required to put together a conference is her responsibility. Now, does she have an in-house staff of all of this? No, she does have a small in-house staff, but the caterer is their own business. The videographer is their own business. So she can say, hey, listen, hey, boom, I got this event. I need a videographer. Um, I already got the event under contract paying me. If you want to be the videographer, what's the rate that you'll charge? Okay, if I can get him to agree to that rate, um, this is what I want as, you know, a kickback because you're one of X amount of videographers, all right? Or what's the best price? Okay, try to tell them, We'll charge X amount of money. Okay, is that the best price? Well, I usually don't want to go less than such and such. Okay, cool. I will pitch them on your highest price. If they don't go for it, I'll try to get them to at least use you somewhere between your highest price and the lowest price you're willing to accept. But depending on how much I get them to agree to, this is what I want from you. It's a yes or no. If they say no, you can still use them or you can find somebody else that'll say yes. All right, so an event planner, right? What I look for when I was looking for an event planner is this, is I'm going to Google because I never used one before in that area, right? I prefer to find an event planner in the area that I'm doing the event. They're already familiar with the venues in that area. They already have a network of people local because it costs way more money to bring people from where I live three to four hours away to where I'm doing the event at. All right, so it's, it's more cost-effective to find an event planner there that has relationships there, right? Now, do I know that she actually lives there? No, but her website presence is there. Her social media presence is there. She doesn't have a physical office, but everything that you see online says that she lives in this area. For all I know, she could live where I live, three, four hours away. But because she has that presence there, because she has those relationships there, she's able to leverage that as an asset. So I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to look at her Google reviews. I'm going to look at her website, see some examples of her work, see some testimonies of her work. I'm going to jump on social media. I'm going to see what people say about her on social media. And then I'm going to make a decision. All right? If you want to get into event planning, I recommend that you start off doing free events. And then you start doing inexpensive events. And what you're doing is you're building your portfolio, you're building your reputation. So your portfolio is work you can now share on your website and social media that, hey, I really do this. Um, 
you're, you're building a clientele of people because you might be at the event and you might meet a DJ and say, okay, now I'm going to add this DJ to my Rolodex, right? Okay, there's a videographer here. I'm going to add them. There's a videographer. Oh, this caterer, they cook they behind off. I need to get with the caterer in case, you know, I got another job for them, right? So by going out here, don't look at it as you wasting time and you losing money. Look at it as I'm building my portfolio. I'm building relationships because there is no value in having an event planner that don't know nobody, right? If I'm going to hire an event planner and then I got to find my own photographer, my own videographer, my own venue, my own this, my own that, what I need you for? All right, so that's the value in having an event planner. And like I said, I'm not telling you what I think. I personally am paying this much money. $2,000 a day is what it costs me to have an event planner. All right? And for the the results that I believe that we're going to have at this conference, well worth it. Well worth it, right? And um, and that's just for their services. It's going to cost way more than that because the $2,000 a day doesn't go towards anything but that. Right. So the caterer might say, I need four thousand dollars. You got to spend another four thousand. The videographer might say, I need another whatever you give that to that. Right. So this is just having one person take on your headache. A good event planner. I think that this is another thing. That's why I'm going to harp on it, because I know a lot of people always say they want to do this. A good event planner takes on somebody else's headaches and turns them into their dream. Right. The dream is the event itself. The headache is everything it takes from now till then to bring this dream into life, right? So don't go into it romanticizing how good it's going to look by your standards. Your job as an event planner is to take somebody else's headache and turn it into their dream, all right? And if you're able to do that, you can name your own price, all right? So $500 an event, right, for half a day. Um, Do two events a day, that's $1,000, all right? Like I said, this is one event, and it's $2,000 a day, all right? Um, so there's definitely money in it. You could make six figures in 2022 just being an event planner. Um, uh, boom, boom, boom. Okay, other ones I kind of touched on as well, so I'll put them down as honorable mention. Being a caterer, like I said, I'm spending thousands of dollars on the caterer for this one event. Um, being the event space renter, so all you do is own the space and rent it out. I am spending thousands of dollars on the space, all right? So um, this is definitely a, a five-figure investment easily, easily, and right? And it could, it could cross over six figures, right? So uh, this is easily a five-figure investment to do an event, but um, it's still an event that I really want to do. It's an event that I'm going to do. And it's going to add a lot of value to a lot of people, right? So, hey, if you want to take advantage of it, again, the website is thefoundationsofwealthconference.com. Last thing I have on this list, number 22, become an independent sales agent for you fill in the blank. This, in my opinion, is one of the biggest slept on bags. And the reason why I know about this business is because people have reached out to me wanting to do this business for me, right? And I know other people that work with these people as well. So let's start off with influencers since that's what I said, you know, people reached out to me for. Let's say that 
I wanted to get my podcast out to more people. And one common way is by getting on other people's podcasts, giving them value about whatever it is that I know about, and then telling them about my podcast as we wrap up. Well, you could come and say, hey, listen, I can get you on these 15 podcasts um, for this price. Are you interested? Yes or no, right? I pay the money. You book me for a 10, 15 podcast, right? That's one way to monetize. Another way that they're monetizing as well is saying, hey, listen, um, I'm going to get you on this show for free, JT, but they're going to want an affiliate link and I'm going to want an affiliate link. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to create an affiliate link and give it to me so that I'm an affiliate and then I'm going to give them my affiliate link. All right. So let's say just for easy math, you're selling something that's $100. You're willing to split it 50-50 with them. Well, I'm going to split my 50 with them 50-50. So it sells for $100. You make $50. I get $50. I'm going to keep 25, give them 25. Right. Reason why they do that is because depending on the nature of the business, it may be more money for them to say, hey, just I want to be an affiliate. I'll make the connection for free. Give me an affiliate link and I'm going to provide them with the affiliate link. Don't give them a direct affiliate link. Uh, Just negotiate a high enough percentage. So it's enough meat on the bone for everybody to eat. And that's how we'll do it. All right. So you could just sell it directly. You could jump on as an affiliate. All right. There's so many different ways. You could flat rate or affiliate deal them. Um, and that's the influencer side. You can do that with businesses as well. All right. I know a, a, a gentleman that said he made $6 million in a few months doing that with car lots. Right. So the amount of money that car lots make off of getting used inventory in their system. Right. Uh, what's up, buy Cat Carter? Right. Getting used inventory, getting people coming uh, in there to buy cars from them. Right. So. He started a business where that's what he did. I'm going to get people with used cars to bring you their used cars and trade them in. And now your margins are better. Or I'm going to get people that are looking for certain cars to come to your dealership instead of other people's dealerships. But you got to give me this uh, kickback. So I'm almost like a car salesman, except I'm going to do it from home. All right, straight from the internet, right? And there's every industry, there's people that are doing this. That's why I broadly term it becoming an independent sales agent for whatever it is that you're trying to sell. All right, so those are the 22 ways that you could have made $100,000. And that's being conservative. Like I said, we talked about people that made millions doing this, right? So those are 22 ways that you could have made um, a hundred thousand dollars in 2022. If you got value out of this, if you guys want me to make a new list that's not counting any of these 22, and we can might can do a 23 ways that I think you can make a uh, hundred thousand dollars in 2023. Let me know. We could do that. Hey, until next time, man. Y'all stay hustling. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all podcast platforms. Name of the podcast again is the Income Autopilot Podcast. This is the show that teaches you how to stop working for money and then instead put your money to work for you so that way you can enjoy your life. All right. You can find me on my website at authorjt.com. If you're interested in tapping in uh, to my conference, uh, we're doing it annually. The website is the Foundations of Wealth Conference.com. All right. And I look forward to seeing you there in person. We got VIP tickets in person. We got regular general admission tickets in person. If you're busy, but you still want the game, you can buy virtual tickets again 
the foundations with the S on it, the foundations of wealth conference.com. Right. Till next time, man, y'all stay hustling. Peace.